0: So how you doing? How you dealing with the COVID-19 shutdown? It's affected everyone and it's probably going to be sticking around here for a while. Again, I want to give a big thank you to uh, all the delivery drivers, everybody who works in IT that is maintaining the internet so we can all binge watch TV shows and play video games. Also, for providing the network that you probably downloaded this podcast on. Uh, Big shout out to everybody working in grocery stores, stocking shelves, nurses, doctors, obviously. Uh, Custodial staff working in hospitals, buildings, and businesses that are still open, essential services, because they're the ones cleaning everything. We got a custodial staff here in the studio. They come in, they clean it up every day. Fantastic people. They're doing a great job. It's very appreciated. Everybody who's out there working, thank you so much. Even Rob, our very tall producer, because we all know how I feel about tall people, and our contemptible harpy of a producer, of uh, Velasquez. Thank you to both of you guys for doing a great job. Also, and I almost forgot to mention it, but I happen to just see it on my screen right now. Uh, earlier this week, I got uh, an email from Jay Bardila, who of course was on uh, our podcast episode from like two weeks ago, where we were talking with... Uh, Christopher Butcher and Heather Antos and him about the effects of the Diamond distribution shutdown for the comic book industry. Of course, comic book creators and comic book shops still reeling from this. Uh, Jay Berdela works with the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, and uh, he just messaged me to say that starting this week, they've contributed $10,000 to begin a fund of coordinating artist and creator auctions in support of artists, creators, and comic book shops Uh, So if I were you and you're a big fan of comic books, keep your eyes on the social media profiles of all your favorite creators. Uh, They're going to be putting stuff up for auction. Uh, Some of them are putting up scripts. Some of them are putting up inked art, original art, spec art, thumbnails for comics. Just really cool once-in-a-lifetime opportunity stuff as everybody is struggling and coming together to ensure that the comic book community stays vibrant, stays healthy and stays welcoming. If you love something, you need to support it. And right now, the comic book creators that have given you so much joy in your life and the comic book shops that have enabled them to do so need your help, okay? Now let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Or, yeah. Because of the shutdown and the shift in schedules and whatnot. I'm not really able to do the standard format of the podcast just due to time constraints. So we've tossed it all into the toilet. We've flushed it down. Again, thank you to all the plumbers maintaining our water infrastructure. Thank you. Uh, And we're just talking to people uh, in the pop culture community about the content they're consuming during these odd times. And today we're joined by uh, a great human being, He's worked for Image, he's worked for DC, uh, Oni Press, Kids Can Press, you name it. Jay Torres, welcome to the show. My pleasure. It's not like I have anywhere to go. You know, I mentioned this last week. uh, You're my go-to guy for correcting me after the fact.
1: Well, it's very kind of you to say it that way. (laughs) Basically, I text you after I listen to each... Podcast and tell you what you said wrong. (laughs) Not quite the go to guy, but more like the annoying guy who's like, You can't pronounce that guy's name properly.
0: You know what's frustrating is when people can't admit their mistakes. Like if I make a mistake and I get called out, and that's fine, I have no problem admitting I was wrong. You keep me honest. That's what you do. Fred, I am just
1: like the little boy pulling on the little girl's pigtails. Only because he wants her attention.
0: So that's me? I'm the little girl? Sure, or little boy, you know. You've got my attention today. That's why I want to know, what are you reading right now while we all deal with the COVID-19 shutdown?
1: Um, well, I just finished reading Jean um, Luen Yang's Dragon Hoops, which is a graphic novel. Um, I don't know if you guys know. Do you know Gene's work or Yang's work?
0: No, I don't. That's why you're here.
1: Okay, so uh, he's He's known for things like uh, DC Superman, which he's writing right now. Uh, he did Superman Smashes the Clan. He's written some Avatar The Last Airbender graphic novels. Plus, he's written like a whole bunch of graphic novels for younger readers that have won like a kajillion awards, including the Eisner. Um, so his latest book is called Dragon Hoops. And I consider it more of like um, something for the whole family uh, because – I think you'd appreciate this. The story is about him trying to figure out his next step as a writer. So in real life, uh, he teaches high school, or so I should say, during the day he teaches high school, or did teach high school, and at night he would write graphic novels. So he comes to a crossroads at one point in the story and has to decide, what is he going to do? Is he going to keep teaching, working at nights, and not having any time with the family or any time for himself? Was he going to make that, take that big step and go full time all in comics, right? Uh, so that's something you and I can both appreciate. We've sort of, you know, thought about that. We've been there, we had to deal with it. But on top of that, the high school that he teaches at um, happens to be like one of those big uh, high school basketball schools where like basketball is king and you have kids, you have this history of basketball winning and kids who graduate to the NCAA and even the NBA from the school. Uh, And he's not a big basketball fan. He's like a math geek. Um, And he's never had a really good relationship with sports. But then as he tries to figure out what his next graphic novel is going to be, he befriends the high school basketball coach and discovers the school's story, the history of basketball at the school, as well as the stories of the different kids on the team and the coach's story. And he realizes that just like comic books, there's story in sports. And that's what gets people riled up. That's why people love sports so much, because it's about good versus evil. Of course, the home team being good, um, the uh, visiting team being evil. And it's just, you know, struggle, right? And it's a story. So he's trying to get through, you know, this personal um, crossroads and figure out, do I want to write, you know, full-time or do I want to keep teaching? And at the same time, he, he discovers this new love for basketball. And that's what the book is about. It's about him writing about this team and writing about his struggle to figure out if he wants to do this full-time or not.
0: You know, when um, you mentioned it at first, I was expecting this to be one of those like sports manga comics. I know that's a huge right, genre. Right.
1: No, that title totally throws you off, right? You're thinking it's like Dragon Ball meets the NBA or something, or, um, you know, um, Space Jam with karate or something, but no, it's not. That's, <laughs> that's not, I mean, there, there are comics like that, but this is not that. It's uh, because the team is called the Dragons, and that's that's where that comes from. And I was really surprised because there's a lot of uh, basketball history in this book. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big basketball fan. I love the Raptors. I'm going through some serious withdrawal right now, Fred. And this book is like helping me. It's really helping me. It's now, like a methadone clinic for me right now.
0: It's also really cool because it's teaching you as a writer and little kids that want to tell stories that there are stories everywhere.
1: Yes. Yes. That is one of the lessons of this book on top of some history about basketball on top of some, you know, you, you, you have to work for something if you really want it. Um, there's also an interesting story within the story about one of the basketball players that kind of baffles him because he plays so well and he expects this kid to, you know, to go to, to the, to one of the division one colleges to play basketball. But the kid's like, no, after high school, I'm done. And I want to be, I can't remember what it was, but I think he wanted to be an accountant or maybe it was a doctor. So it's about choices too. And it's about, um, you know, knowing when something is over and when to move on. Um, and it sounds like those kind of sound like heavy topics for a graphic novel, but my kid who's nine loved it. And I'm sure he's getting it, you know, getting things on different levels than I am. And my kid who's 12 loved it. And I loved it. So, you know, there's a little bit of something there for everybody I think.
0: So what are you watching?
1: Oh, what am I not watching? Um, (laughs) So let me see, the kids and I, you know what, I wanted to recommend something like the family, the whole family could watch, right? And it was so hard to narrow it down. So first thing I had to do was decide, you know, which network or which streaming service. And I finally decided on Netflix. And then I thought, okay, let me talk to Fred about uh, something like um, a series of unfortunate events. But then I thought, you know, that's so obvious, Right? Like, I mean, doesn't everybody already know about that? The Lemony Snicket books?
0: There's two Um, versions. There's the Jim Carrey version, and there's the new series, Neil Patrick Harris.
1: Right. Neil Patrick Harris series on Netflix, which is terrific. And I just figured it got great ratings. I'm pretty sure almost everybody I know has watched it, so I thought I'd go with something a bit more obscure. And my second choice was going to be Hilda, which is an animated series based on a graphic novel series by Luke Pearson. But then I realized not everybody in my family liked that. So finally... The long road here, coming back around, Fred.
0: <laughs> yeah, I settled on Lost in Space, Lost reboot. Great choice, man! Absolutely fantastic choice. Yes, and the thing
1: is, you know, your mileage may vary um, depending on how much your kids can take, like how many, how intense they can take the action and the the, the 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 scares. And there is there is you know there's murder in this story, but my kid was seven, I think, when the first season came out. But we're all anxiously waiting the the, uh, the ninth season. It's so it's such a good looking show, Fred. Like it looks so good. It doesn't look like, man. Pardon my my saying this. It doesn't look like it's shot in Canada. It doesn't <laughs> look like it's you know it's, it's a low budget thing. Even though they didn't have as big a budget in the first season, as they did in the second, um, it just looks great and the cast is amazing. Uh, Molly Parker, Canadian actress, is in it. Um, Dame Maggie Smith's son, whose name um, escapes me right now. Toby Stevens? Is that him? Yeah, he's yeah. the dad. And the kid who plays Will Robinson is so so endearing and so cute and so earnest. He's just terrific. And then there's Parker Posey, who plays Dr. Smith. Now, anybody who saw or who knows anything about the original Lost in Space, uh, Lost in Space kitschy kind of 60s you know, campy comedy, uh, Dr. Smith was an old man. So he gets starbucked in this series. That's and, a great term, by the way. And the way they did it was very clever. It wasn't just, oh, we're gonna retcon this and and randomly take, you know, uh, a male character and make them female or vice versa. Just, I won't spoil it. It's just a very clever way to do it. And Parker Posey is so deliciously evil
0: in this show. She's fan. She is fantastic. Parker Posey uh, is one of the most oft-ignored character actors in Hollywood, period. And I say that as somebody who's a massive, massive fan of all the Christopher Guest movies, which she has been incredible in right. every single one, in particular Waiting for Guffman, which is always going to be my favorite Christopher Guest movie. She sits as a Dairy Queen worker, and she just says, just having a Coke, you know, having a Coke. Yeah. And just the way she says, like, having a Coke is one of the most deliciously comedic things i've ever heard in my life
1: yeah she's she's amazing at improv i wonder how much of uh her character she's improvised to be honest um because there's some things that they do that are funny um darkly funny and i wonder if that's uh, if that's her if that's in the script um, but in any case like her character is just the kind of character you want to punch in the face you know what i mean <laughs> right. and, like, yeah. and like the best villains they, she doesn't think she's a bad guy. Like Do those are the best villains, the bad guys who don't think they're bad guys,
0: right? I, my favorite villains are the ones that make you, when you're watching, question whether or not they're wrong. Like if right. they're so charismatic and their plan is so good, while you're watching, you know, you're making some making some good points there.
1: Well, one of the things I, you know, I mentioned earlier, like your mileage will vary in terms of your kids. This is PG thirteen, I think. So my kids were definitely under thirteen at the time. And it's not about the violence, it's not even about the sex, which there really isn't any. It's the it's the moral questions. Like, why would she do that? Why would she let somebody die and, you know, you know, why wouldn't she let them into the escape pod or whatever? Not trying to spoil anything here. So it's those kinds of questions that you may end up getting from the kids that then also make you think,
0: yeah, why wouldn't she? You know, it's it's interesting you bring up the moral questions cuz I'm watching my kids brains turn on. Anybody who has kids, you you notice that they'll go through stages where all of a sudden they'll just start asking you questions. And and it's like, that's a deep thought. And to be honest, as an adult, I don't have an answer for you. you just got to figure this out on your own. Yeah. I am seeing a lot of that from Star Wars Rebels. Like, I've tried to get my kids into Star Wars a few times. Like, not like you have to watch this with me, but it always felt like they're watching something I like. But then when they started watching Rebels, that became their show. And that's a re. i think Rebels is one of the greatest things Star Wars has ever done, period. And there's a lot of moral conundrums and questions related to the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force. Why are they doing this? Are they right? Are they wrong? That's another show that's sci-fi that sort of takes you out of the real world, but makes you ask real world questions. Oh,
1: hundred percent. And it's highly entertaining. Yeah. I love those characters. I love the situations they put us in or they put themselves in, but also I'm not a big star Wars guy. I'm not even a big continuity guy when, I, when it comes to my comics, but I love all the connective tissue in this series. Like I can almost, almost geek out about knowing who this guy is and when they'll come in later or what movie they're from, or what comic they're from, or, you know what I mean? Like how this impacts Mandalorian or whatever, which my kids, which my kids are just starting to get into because they're just starting to piece things, these things together. But on, you know, the most important thing obviously is are we amused? And yes, we are. It's such a good show.
0: You know, there's some little nods when you talk about like the continuity. I'm also, I'm, I, I don't, care so much. I think a lot of time we allow ourselves to get bogged down in minute continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, character motivation is a completely different discussion, but the the scene in Rogue One where they're on Yavin 4 and the ghost, the ship from Rebels, is on the tarmac right next to the U-Wing. And oh there's a little, a little wink-wink how-do-you-do moment in Rebels where where you see the ghost on the tarmac, and right next to that is the U-wing from Rogue One. I, I when yeah. I saw that scene, I was like, "Top of the morning to you! Fantastic work, guys!"
1: <laughs> and listen, I am so looking forward to this Osaka Tano series. And yes, when, and how she comes in at the you know in the Mandalorian series, and how it all comes together. I'm just we're watching, you know, speaking of another thing to watch with the kids, we started watching Clone Wars from the very beginning. Uh, which I've only seen bits and pieces of. And the way they my kids wanted to watch from the beginning, they're like, let's just watch the whole thing, dad, all hundred and whatever episodes. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to commit to that. <laughs> yeah. and, and my thing was, okay, fine. Let's watch the first one or two. And if dad likes it enough, maybe I'm in. And if not, you guys can watch and I'll catch up to you at season four or five. Well, guess what? I'm in. <laughs> it, was just, it was just too good. My concern was, you know, is oh, it going to be too Anakin heavy? But it opens with the Yoda, basically. Yeah.
0: There's, so, did you watch it? Now, did you watch it in the episodic order, or did you go online and find the chronological order? Because a lot of people don't realize the show isn't released chronologically, but there are people who have piece together the entire story in the order that it happens time-wise did you watch it that way or did you go season one episode one and straight through yeah we
1: just did like the poor man's way of doing it i didn't look i didn't go online for that yeah but maybe i will after this i'll check it out
0: you know you bringing up ahsoka tano it's like if if i didn't have the childhood connection with darth vader there would be no question that Ahsoka Tano would be my absolute favorite Star Wars character. And I think because I, like a lot of people, was let down with the way we got the rollout with the Darth Vader-Anakin Skywalker story, I just feel like Ahsoka Tano's story is much better told. Uh, It's not as jarring. And the evolution of her and her motivations are laid out so much more cleanly. The only other character that I would like to see given that kind of treatment would be Kanan from Rebels, who I also think, but maybe I don't, because I just love that character as well. Kanan and Ahsoka Tano are just, out of all the new characters that have been unveiled, and there's been so many in the last few decades, those two are well beyond the others, for me anyways.
1: Yeah, oh, there's so much story to mind there, and I'd love to see more. And at the same time, I don't want to. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. It's like the monster theory. Like in Jaws, you want to see the shark, but you don't want it because the way it is in your head is just so good, you know? And maybe that's the problem with Darth Vader. Maybe we were never going to be satisfied with anything we saw, you know?
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, the, the, the scariest monsters are the ones you can only see so much of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And all we see of Darth Vader is that, Everyone's scared of him and then we know that he was defeated by his master, but we don't know how and he's scarred and he's like he's grizzled and terrifying and he's like the epitome of crushed and evil. You know? Mm-hmm. Now what do you play in board game wise? Because I know you like to play board games with the family.
1: Um. Yeah, we do. And I've bought a lot lately because of this situation we're in. Um, One of our our recent favorites is a thing called Monster Crunch. Are you familiar with this?
0: No, no but it sounds, it sounds delicious.
1: It is. Uh, the tagline is it's the game you can, or the, what is it? It's okay to play with your food. That's what it is. <laughs> I was like, it's okay to play the game with the food. No, that's not right. That's not very slick. <laughs> um, but basically, so you remember, you remember like Booberry, Frankenberry, Count Chocula? Yeah. So there's a game based on those characters. And there's two others that I'd never heard of. One is called Fruit Brute which is a werewolf, and he had, he had his own fruity cereal. Were those and even Yum-
0: available here in Canada?
1: You know what? Both have been discontinued. I've looked it up. They're both discontinued and have been for a while. I don't know if we've ever seen them up here, to be honest. Uh, the other one's Yummy Mummy, which is another fruit-flavored um, cereal. So basically this game is about – well, it's not about it. – it, it stars these four char- – the four or five – five characters <laughs> – uh, and it's basically like a ladder climbing game, kind of like Uno or Skip Bowl, where like somebody puts down a number and then you have to either play a card the same number or higher. And you have this cute little cereal bowl that you put your cards onto and you get a little um, um, milk carton shaped token that you can use to um, trigger a special power that each of your you know, cereal monsters have. And it's really easy to play and easy to pick up. Um, it's like fifteen, twenty minutes a game, three rounds. Uh, the kids can, uh, the kids will pick it up really quickly. Uh, and I love the packaging. I mean, the box, of course, looks like a cereal box, and all the <laughs> all the little pieces look like cereal bowls and milk cartons. And there's all the you know the artwork from the the original '60s um, cereal boxes on there, and it's really cool. Um, the only problem is when you're done playing, you kind of crave the cereal, and it's not the easiest thing to go find nowadays.
0: Yeah, you know, I I was in the states over Christmas break when we could travel. And my whole childhood, my whole childhood, I remember watching these commercials for Cookie Crisp. And I thought, oh, that's got to be so good. It's literally a bowl of little mini chocolate chip cookies. How could that possibly be bad? Then when I was in the States over the holidays, I saw it. So I bought it. And this is the worst thing. It's not little cookies. It's like corn pops that are squished with chunks of chocolate on them. Mm, that does not sound appetizing. <laughs> it was terrible. I felt how lied could, to how
1: could they? How could they ruin a, a cereal concept so simple, like little
0: cookies? Just little. My whole life. Do you remember like McDonald's used to have the little mini cookies? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that's what it was. <laughs> like, I thought that was the cereal. Maybe you
1: should just go get some. Oh, they don't make those anymore.
0: They don't make those anymore either. <laughs>
1: There's got to be some of those, you know, bite-sized uh, chips Ahoy things that kids bring to school. You just open one of those into a bowl of milk.
0: See, that's why you're on the show. You're giving great advice.
1: There you go. That's why I'm here.
0: So, what about movies?
1: Okay. So you want to hear what we? Okay. This <laughs> this this movie, um, onward by Disney Pixar. It, it just dropped on Disney Plus. Uh, and here's what, this is the big stupid that I did. So just before we shut everything down and all the uh, restaurants and the movie theater shut down, I had bought four tickets to go see Onward. The week that we were supposed to go was the first day that um, that uh, they closed everything down. So being the impatient person that I am, as soon as it was available on iTunes, I downloaded it for 24.99. Well, what happens two days later? There it is on Disney Plus. <laughs>
0: You're supporting it though. I always talk about oh, yes. you need to support what you love or it ceases to exist. Like right well, now, I don't
1: know. I don't know if Disney's ever gonna cease yeah. to exist. I could have spent that twenty four ninety nine on I don't know, some indie video game. But anyway, anyway, it's a good
0: movie. A very good movie. Now what's the um, premise of it? I, like I, I have a loose understanding that it's sort of like uh two guys going on a trip and over the course they find what they're really looking for isn't what they were really looking for.
1: That's it, but you would, you'll you appreciate the dressing of that. It's set in a world that is very much like a and d world come to life. So imagine like Zo- Z- Zootopia. Yeah, Zootopia. But instead of animals, it's like elves and orcs and dragons. And like in this world, unicorns are like our raccoons. They're like the trash pandas of that, that <laughs> world. And so the the, the stories about these two brothers played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. We do a great job, and their mom is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, okay? So we've got some, some, some really great voice actors here. The story is that their dad passes away. I don't remember how, and I love how Disney and Pixar don't shy away from the death themes. And he leaves them a magic spell that allows them to bring him back for 24 hours. But without spoiling too much, the spell doesn't go quite right, and they have to fix it before sundown. Uh, so they go on this quest to try to figure out how how to bring dad back for those you know last twenty four hours to get a, ten- a chance to talk to him one more time, and as you can imagine, um, I'm sure you can relate, Fred, as the dad of two sons, and there's a story about two sons trying to say goodbye to dad. Like it really, it hit me in all the feels very hard, especially towards the end. Uh, it's a very predictable plot. I mean, I guess you can say that about almost all Disney movies. Uh, But the one thing that I predicted as soon as we started watching, I said to my wife, I will be weeping before this
0: movie's credits roll. You know, that I was right. right. The last movie that really just hit me and broke me was The Little Prince. In particular, Mm -hmm. the very end of The Little Prince, when you see, I don't want to give anything away, but the story involves about the power of imagination and how important it is that we nurture that ability to see magic in the mundane you know and when it gets to the end of that i broke like i was crying on the couch but i was trying to like you know in front of my kids and my kids are like what's wrong dad what's wrong and i'm i'm trying to hide my crying not because i don't think it's cool to show emotion but i don't want them to get upset and get pulled out of the movie cuz they're not seeing all the levels of what i am you know right right for me it was Like, The Incredibles, and if you've listened to this podcast before, I've talked about how I think The Incredibles is the perfect screenplay. And the scene where Mr. Incredible has to listen to the plane go down with his wife and kids in it, and every time I get to that scene, I got to look away. It just absolutely guts me. That was the same as The Little Prince. Are you saying that this is going to be my new Mr. Incredible torture moment? I
1: can't promise that you... Um, will be weepy like I was, but if it doesn't at least tug at your heartstrings, you are cold and dead inside. <laughs>
0: perfect, perfect.
1: But I don't think I don't think you are. And again, like I said, you know it's fun for the whole family. And actually, you know I don't want to, um, you know, say that it's it's a, a, a it's a it's a guy buddy movie basically. And there is a lot about dads, but the mom's kind of a hero of this. Uh, the mom and uh, Octavia Spencer as a Manticore are pretty badass in this.
0: A manticore. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, what about video games? What are you doing for video games with the family?
1: Oh, Fred, I cannot tell you enough how Animal Crossing New Horizons (laughs) is saving my life right now. And I know it's doing it for a lot of people because I keep seeing like article after article after article about how Animal Crossing is keeping people sane and giving them somewhere to go and how, you know, the world is out of control and we can't control what's going on. But in Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing you control everything. And it's so true. So I, mean, what, I could write an essay about this.
0: What is Animal Crossing? I have okay, no Animal understanding Crossing, of it.
1: Okay, Animal Crossing is a life simulator game. That's the genre. So think of um, Stardew Valley, Sims, or the more kid-friendly My Sims. You know, those kinds of games where basically you are uh, – You land in a village, or in this case, an island, and your job is to basically build up your house and help build up the world by, in this case, uh, sometimes it's farming and that sort of thing in other other, um, games. In this case, you have to fish, you have to um, catch butterflies and other bugs, you have to dig up fossils, and you sell these things for the currency of the game, which is called Bells, and then you pay to either upgrade your house to more rooms, uh, furnish it with furniture, uh, wallpaper, you know, flooring, all that kind of fun stuff. And you can build up the town and add infrastructure like um, bridges, um, other houses and that sort of thing. I've got a little campsite going in my, in my village, in my island with, like, an outdoor hot spring bath. Like, it's a it's a beautiful thing, Fred. So,
0: and, and this also allows you to interact with your friends from the real world because they can come to your island or you can go to theirs, right?
1: Yes, you friend each other, and then you can visit each other's islands when you are, when you, are you know, online together. Oh, and another thing about this thing that's really cool is there's a museum. <laughs> and much has been written about this museum because every time you catch a bug or every time you catch a fish or you dig up a fossil, you can either sell it to make money, or you can go to the museum and donate it. And once the museum has once of everything, I think you get some kind of prize. But the aquarium in this museum is a beautiful thing. I love aquariums. I don't know if you like aquariums, but I love them. My wife and I love going to aquariums. Where you know, in any town or any place that we visit, and this aquarium is has been written about many times in, in like the newspapers because people are going to it like a virtual vacation during this time. And you, I could literally sit there and just like watch. You know, the the fish in the tanks and walk around this really beautiful looking. It's realistic looking. The fish look real, even though the cartoony, uh, the characters are very cartoony. uh, The fish look real, almost too real. It's kind of gross sometimes.
0: Um, You know, there's this was released last week was a video from the PGA Tour and trust me, I'm going to tie this in together. Uh, The PGA Tour, normally the Masters are going on and they released a video of the Augusta National Golf Course, but it's just cameras and HD mics set up all around. And it's just nature on the golf course. And you hear the sounds of nature and you see like the wind lift the flag on the on the on the tee. And it's just I get it because it's like an aquarium. It's just simple. It's relaxing. And it takes you away from the stress that you're getting from everything else.
1: That's the thing. Uh, if you like first person shooters or if you like to hunt down aliens, this game is not for you. <laughs> uh, if you're not much of a gamer to begin with, you might want to try it. Like my wife who doesn't play video games very much. Like her jam is Tetris from, you know, 85 or 89, whatever that was. And, um, she gets this because it's just a kindler, gentler kind of questing. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're you've got a butterfly net Fred. <laughs> you've got a fishing rod. Um, the most, um, uh, violent thing you carry or dangerous weapon you have is an axe to chop down trees but the only reason why you would chop down trees is to move them somewhere else to make it more aesthetically pleasing wow you know it's uh, it's it's again it's not for everybody but it is definitely a nice calming game and this and it's not that there's no stress because you can totally stress yourself out my kids and i have because we're trying to complete certain quests and there's a time limit and you know that has its own stress there was like a fishing tournament and you know we're trying to outfish each other, so that was very stressful, but not not to the extent that your blood pressure's going up. But it's uh, but it's fun. It's again if we're talking about family-friendly, uh, fun things to do. This is definitely one of them. And I mean, I you don't have to take my word for it. Just Google Animal Crossing, and you'll get articles from like Forbes magazine to the New York Times to Time magazine, you know, singing its praises, which you you wouldn't normally not see.
0: Again, big thank you to Jay Torres for coming on with us today. If you've never read his run on the Teen Titans Go comic, it's something you should definitely look into. Uh, I know it's on Comicsology. Teen Titans Go, for me, will always be the most overlooked comics property ever. I love Teen Titans Go probably more than I actually like the Teen Titans comic. I just do. It's just the right amount of silly. And 40%, 40%, 20% is one of the most amazing single episodes of a TV series ever period hands down can't deny it next week cuz yes we are doing weekly episodes while we're in the midst of the shutdown i think we're going to i think we're going to tug on superman's cape we're going to bring back dealer the contemptuous harpy of a producer onto the show because i know she's been reading something something amazing something seminal something important and we'll talk to her about it That's next week on Issue Zero. Big thanks to Rob, big thanks to Dila, and big thanks to Jay for making all this possible. And thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you're well. Now go wash your hands and wipe off your cell phone. Seriously, it's disgusting.